Welcome to the Washington Church Toledo Podcast. Together, we are learning to encourage one another to walk with God through cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ. This podcast consists of recordings from our Sunday morning worship services and other teaching events that you are more than welcome to come join us live at. do more in seconds than we can do with all of our eloquent words and, you know, study and all that. I'll say my wife wanted to share real quick. Um, I've got tiny disciples following me everywhere I go. You can tell that's why they're so tiny disciples. Um, so I just have a quick word, exhortation, and then you get to hear Jake speak, which is going to be a huge blessing. But um, first, like I felt like I was supposed to testify about something that God was faithful in um, in our family this week. I, you might notice, I'm like talking with a lisp. Almost today, I got Invisalign, and this seems so insignificant, right? But when we started, when we became missionaries full time, I told the Lord, um, "You're going to have to provide everything we need, and that includes the little things and the big things, the bills, all the way down to the things that matter to us, that don't necessarily matter to anyone else." And um, a couple weeks ago, I found out that our cousin, who's a dentist, was offering me free Invisalign. And I had been praying to the Lord, Lord, I really, I know it's not important on my family's to-do list, but I really need my teeth fixed. Zero dollars. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? We have to praise the Lord for this. <laughs> if you knew what our family um, walks through, just relying on the Lord for everything. He gave me Matthew six thirty three as our life verse. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto us. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry. The Lord knows even those little things like getting your teeth fixed, you know, getting the groceries, getting the bills paid. So um, when we were back there, he just said, testify about that and encourage about that. So um, he's so faithful. we got to give him a clap. Um, but, yeah, I was just feeling like, um, you know, I felt like sharing. So Bible reading for me has looked like, putting on the audio Bible lately while I do my makeup, or maybe I'll get a couple minutes during the day. Moms, you all know what I'm talking about, moms with littles. There's, it's just hard to pick up your Bible. This is Jake's Bible, actually. Um, and I was reading Liberty's Bible with her this week, and the story of David and Goliath just jumped out to me. And certain parts about it jumped out to me, and I felt like, well, what, why, Lord? And I just felt like um, he wanted me to exhort when we're here today quickly. I'm not long-winded. Um, so he was, he was highlighting to me how when David was young and his brothers were going off to war with the Philistines, he would come back and forth between the war camp and his home because he was caring for his father's sheep. And that just jumped off the page, and the Lord said, there are those of us who are going to war and then we're doing what we've been responsible for. We, we do our daily things, whether it be caretaking or going to a nine-to-five or serving our children, just the things that he's given us to do on the day-to-day. And then we're looking at 
people going off to war or these things that are romanticized and it looks like we're missing out on all the excitement and all of the things that we think we should be doing or places we think we should be in life. And it's really in those small everyday moments when God develops a history with us. And so when, um, if in First Samuel, you don't have to go there, but when David says, I'll take on the Philistine, I'll do it. And everyone mocks him and jeers at him. And we all know the story, but he said, um, everyone's saying, you can't do this. And he says, your servant used to keep the sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him, struck him and delivered him out of his mouth. And if it rose against me, I caught him by his beard, struck him and killed him. And this is the important part. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And the Lord was just screaming in my spirit this week that we can look at those things that we think are important, but it's in those everyday responsibilities that he's giving us and the things he puts right in front of our face in our day-to-day that's where he's developing the trust and, and developing a history with us. And without the lions and the bears and the sheep, we're not going to be going up against giants. We don't have that history. And he didn't choose the men, the, the brave brothers, the older brothers, the men of Israel to go against Goliath. He chose David, who was in the secret place. So that's a lot of what you're doing here tonight is encountering the Lord. You're here when there's not a huge crowd here. Developing that trust with the Lord in the secret place is is so important and just be encouraged if you're feeling dull and unimportant I've been there sometimes I'm there weekly and um, just know that that's really important to the Lord and so yeah you get to hear Jake Jake's got the guts of David um, and I'm so honored to be doing ministry with you and I don't know what he's going to share tonight but it's going to be great so be blessed thanks yes. Man. thanks yes love you can we clap for my wife <laughs> so yeah that's my wife i'm i'm jake and that's my wife hannah and we run um the mineral house of prayer which if you guys are, are familiar with the house of prayer model we um <clears throat> basically what you just did here tonight we do that um 12 hours a week. So we do it four hours on Monday morning, four hours on Wednesday afternoon, four hours on Friday night. And we do it every week. And Jill is a major part of that. Is my friend. I just want to honor, too. I want to honor Bridget. Bridget, yeah. I just want to honor you because, um, sorry, Jimmy might be blocking your phone here. Um, you know, I'm going to choose my words carefully. If you ever visit other churches, and the, the, the worship experience is routine. I'll just say it that way very kindly. If you, if you know me, I'm a little more blunt than that. But if it's routine and you come from a spirit-filled background, you come from a spirit-filled worship, presence-driven um, worship like we just encountered tonight, then you really get an understanding of how thankful you, you should be when you have a worship leader who leads you into the presence of the Lord and they're not just singing songs that are on a sheet, okay? And you have that with Bridget. What she sings and what she talks about and is, that's how she is. That's her real life. And she's been a dear friend to us and to my wife, so I honor 
I honor you, Bridget, for your faithfulness, not only to the Lord, but to our family. And um, that's a big deal. So you guys got a good one. And, and also, Pastor Jimmy, um, you know, just in a nutshell, we've had uh, multiple conversations, but it takes guts to do this. It takes guts to go after um, the things of the Spirit and to say, okay, God, whatever you want to do, we're game for. That sounds real nice when you say it and when you pray it and when you sing it and then when the Lord's like, okay. And you're like, whoa, didn't sign up for that. You guys ever see the meme where the little kid on the, on the roller coaster? Have you ever seen that? And it's like, you know, it's like the one that says Holy Spirit. Then the little kid is like, <laughs> you know, that's what it's like when you're like, okay, let's go. Let's go, Lord. So I just honor um, this house. I honor Pastor Jimmy and the leadership here for going after the things of the Spirit. I felt like the Lord gave me an assignment today to... Um, I'm going to release the Father's blessing over some of you. And I know that you're like, well, I'm older than you. Like, why are you going to release the Father's blessing? I don't know. You can talk to the Lord about it. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dad. And here's, here's why I feel like this is important. And I'll share some of my testimony. I grew up without a dad. Okay? My, my mom, when I was born, my dad left my mom with four kids in went with the woman that he was having an adulterous relationship with. I've since, you know, reconciled with my dad, but I have no memory of, you know, a, my dad in the home. I don't, I don't have that. So when I, eventually when I was born again, and when I gave my life to the Lord, Jesus, I was like, love Jesus. Holy Spirit, I'm like, Holy Spirit, I'm okay with. But when they would talk about God the Father, when they would talk about the love of the Father, when they would talk about all these things, I had, I had zero grid. I had zero paradigm. I had zero understanding. And, and in, my, in my brain, I immediately equated father with, with distance, with um, inconvenient. I'm an inconvenience to a father. Um, you know, the father is just here to, you know, fulfill his duties and then he's out of here as soon as he can, as soon as he can leave. Like that was my view of the father. So the Lord had to deliver me of that. And, and why this is important, especially when you, you are taking the step into the things of the Spirit, you know, whatever that looks like, okay? Whether that's the gifts of the Spirit, whether that's, um, you know, just being obedient to the leading of the Spirit, whatever, you know, that means to you. Here's what I want to say. If you do not know who you are, every gift Every miracle, every sign, every wonder that you see will ultimately lead you to a place of burnout. And it could be great. It could be beautiful. You can see people get healed. You can deliver people. You can prophesy over people. You can do all the stuff. But if you don't know who you are, eventually you will come to a place where you will burn out and the enemy will come in with that, that invitation to bitterness, that invitation to offense. You did all this for Jesus, and look at you now. You're tired. You're wore out. You're broke. Where are your friends? Where are your family? And the enemy waits for an opportunity to come in and to sow that seed when we don't know who we are. You say, okay, Jake, I want to know who I am. The only way to know who you are is to know the one who made you. And I know we're like, well, yes, that's so great. Yes, I know God made me. But do you know 
what the word says about the God that made you. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That, he, that his hands are, right now, are, is, is anybody, my wife, are you, is anybody in here? My wife's gone. She's gone. I was like, where's she? I was, I was going to use her as an example. I was going to get Finn up here. Yeah. Okay, all right, perfect, perfect. Even, even better, even better. The, the hands of the Lord, think about this. The hands of the Lord are knitting that baby together right now. These are not fluffy, like, cute words. That's how much God the Father loved us, that he knit us together in our mother's womb. And he knew us before the foundation of the world. And, and when we really get a hold of that, really, not just here in our head, but when it penetrates our heart, that the God of the universe knit me together in my mother's womb, knew me before the foundation of the world, and then at this exact moment in time, put me on the earth. Your life takes on a whole another meaning because there's a plan and a purpose for you in the earth right now. And it is to be obedient to the Lord. It is to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that from a place of identity, here's the difference. Christians who don't know what will just, my background is, is hardcore Pentecostal, hardcore charismatic, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But what happens in that stream, when you get people that don't know who they are, they chase miracles, signs, and wonders. They chase that emotional, that emotional upbringing, that emotional, you know, touch, oh, you know, like, Whatever, whatever, however you want to define it, they chase it. But here's the difference. When you know who you are in the Lord, what's the scripture say? Miracles, signs, and wonders follow those who believe. So we have a choice. If we're stepping into the stream of the Spirit, we're stepping into the moving of the Holy Spirit, we have to be rooted in who we are and know who we are, our identity in God. Because if we don't, we will go on this wild goose chase where we're, we're, we're laying hands on people and we're prophesying over people. We're praying for and There's nothing wrong with that. But ultimately, what is the place out of why we're doing that? Are we trying to gain the affection of God? Are we trying to gain the attention of God? Are we trying to gain the attention of man? The pat on the back. But see, when we operate from knowing who we are in the Lord, then... Our eyes are fixed on Jesus. We're obedient to the Holy Spirit. And miracles, signs, and wonders follow us. There's a big difference between those two camps. And believe me, I know. I was in, many of you, I don't know many of you, but I'm sure some of you came from more of a conservative, maybe a reformed background, and you're kind of like stepping into this like spiritual stuff. Like, you're like, this is kind of cool. I like this. I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. Maybe some of you are like me here. I come from a hardcore Pentecostal background. Shaking, you know, rolling around, yelling in tongues, all of that, okay? So, for some of you, you're like, well, that, that stuff's weird, you know? <laughs> but, you know, it might be here sooner than, real, the real one might be here sooner than you think. But, the point I want to make is this. In this background, in that hardcore, you know, emotionalism, 
you know, like, let's get everybody riled up. We sing the same five songs because that one time 25 years ago, God moved when we played this song. So, so we got God figured out. We're going to sing the same five songs at the same tempo and the same pace at the same time. And God's going to move every single service. And we was like, mm, God's a little bit bigger than that. But that was my background. And so when the Lord, and ultimately I was like, this is really weird. Because I couldn't, I couldn't reconcile the people who, you know, were like the spirit-filled people in our church. And then you would see them, and there would be no fruit on their life, you know? And I'm, I listen, I want to be very clear. I, I don't buy the, nothing annoys me more where they're like, people are like, uh, I would go to church, but there's all kinds of hypocrites in there. And it's like, okay, that has nothing to do with God. But the point I want to make is this. When we have professing, spirit-filled Christians, and there was no fruit on their life, even as a young boy, I begin to be like, there's something going on here. Because you're at church every time the doors are open. You're running around, you're shouting, you're doing this, you're doing that. And yet there is not a lick of fruit on your life. You, you know, your marriage is miserable, your, your family's miserable, your, it's just like, I'm like, whatever that is, I don't want it. So ultimately, I got to the point where I was like, mm, I'm out of here. So I left, you know, probably a similar story as a lot of you. I walked away from the church, ended up going to college, you know, was just wilding out. I was a terrible person, terrible, terrible person for a long time. I never doubted that God was real. I never had that moment of like, oh, God, are you real? I was like, I know God is real. I know God's real. I don't want anything to do with him, but I know that he's real. And ultimately, it came to a point where I said, okay, God, I know you're real. But if it looks like what my upbringing was, then I don't want anything to do with it. I want the real thing. I want the real thing. And the Lord, in his mercy, and in his grace, he answered that prayer. And he touched my heart. And I'll, I'll look you in the face and I'll tell you, Jesus changed my life. I was an awful person. An awful person. And the Lord changed my life. It's, an, it's not, you know, like a nice fluffy testimony. The Lord radically changed my life. And so now, as I'm walking with the Lord... The Lord's like, I'm like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And one of the things that the Lord highlighted to me, he said, I want you to begin to engage the spirit of religion. And I'm like, oh, all right, that, that sounds good. What does that mean? This is, you know, 10 years ago when I first got saved. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. And I'll, to to um, summarize I'll steal, I'll steal a quote from a famous pastor. I won't use his name because I don't want to turn anybody off. But he says this, the spirit of religion is this. It is form without power. It is form without power. So if we genuinely believe what we just sang, that Jesus put on flesh incarnation, gave his life for humanity, and ultimately sent the Holy Spirit that we could walk in the authority and the power of Jesus. Do we really believe that? That's what it comes down to. That's ultimately what it comes down to.
Do we believe Scripture? Do we believe that Jesus paid the price? That we could walk in authority and power that he paid the highest price for? And you know, the spirit of religion will say, you don't need to do that. You need to be a good boy or a good girl. You need to sit there and you need to follow the rules. Don't ruffle any feathers. Fold your hands. Go to church every Sunday. Go to church every Wednesday night. And if you're good enough, Jesus might let you into heaven. And so what do we do? We follow these rules of do's. We follow these rules of don'ts. And ultimately, we just get completely burned out. And it leads nowhere. But God has so much more for us. And I'm so thankful for a church and a people that are going after the fullness of what Jesus paid for. He paid for it. He paid for your salvation. He paid for your deliverance. He paid that you would be made whole. This is what Jesus paid for. The moment of salvation is the beginning. When you are born again, that is the beginning. It's not the end. It is the door that opens and we begin to walk in the power of the Spirit and do the works of the kingdom and destroy the works of the devil. And I know that this may ruffle some people up. When I was in seminary, I was in seminary and I had a professor literally say this. You know, it's our job to read the scriptures and to pray and to be faithful to the Lord and avoid the devil. <laughs> and I was like, well, I was like, I'm not sure how you do that. You know, you know, I'm here to tell you that when you walk in the power of the spirit of God in obedience with the Holy Spirit, you're called to destroy the works of the devil, to set captives free, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. Okay, this, these are, these are not words in scripture that are just meant to be, you know, nice reading. So hopefully I'm stirring some, I'll just give you some testimonies. Stir some faith in here. So I'll give you one. I had ultimately, I eventually I got saved and I had like a major medical issue. You know, I went to the doctor and the doctor's like, oh, you're dying. <laughs> you, need, you need surgery. He's like, your kidneys don't work. So I was like, hey, that's the story for another time. So I had to have surgery. Lord didn't heal me that time. But I go to surgery. Well, he did heal me through doctors and nurses. That happens. So I'm in surgery. I come out of surgery. A couple Sundays later, I'm praying. I said, Lord, your word says that you are always with us and that you would go with us to the end of the earth. I said, I want to know where you were when I was having surgery. I said, where were you? I wasn't mad. I wasn't angry. I just said, I want to know where you were. Immediately, I call it a closed vision. It wasn't open vision. Closed vision in my mind. I'm on, the, I'm on the surgical table. I can see myself. And I pan up. It's like a surgery, you know, sterile surgery room. Pan up. It's like a ceiling. I can see angels are on the ceiling. And there are demo, what I'll just call demonic forces. There are demonic forces trying to get into the room. And they can't get past the angels. You pan down. And I'm flat on the, on the table. And there's doctors and nurses, you know, surgeons and all that stuff around. And Jesus is like this. He's got his hands just like this, and he's walking around, and he, every once in a while he'll be like this. And he's walking around every doctor, every nurse, every surgeon. 
And immediately in that moment, I knew that, that it didn't happen. I wanted the Lord to heal me straight up. I'm like, Lord, you, you created kidneys. You can grow new ones. You know, I want you to heal me. And because it didn't happen that way, I had to go through a process of asking the Lord, what are you teaching me through this? Very much like all of you, you, you have something or multiple things, family issues, health issues, financial issues, you name it, whatever. If we want to maintain relationship with the Lord in fullness and in power of the Spirit, we have to present these things to the Lord and ask Him, what are you teaching me in this moment? Because God is not doing things to punish us. He's not doing things to, you know, you're a bad boy, you're a bad girl, so you need to be punished. It's not what God is doing. He's saying, I'm forming you into the image of Christ. So if we are able, you know, very much like we prayed over this couple, if we are able in hardship to say, Jesus, I still love you. When an injustice happens to us, you know, happens to my wife and I, injustice happens where out of left field, People begin to say things that aren't true. People begin to accuse you of things that simply are not true. What do you do in that moment? Do you defend yourself and say, I'm going to give back at these people. I'm going to, I'm going to stand out and defend myself. That's not true. I'll, let me tell you what really happened. Let me tell you what I really think. Or do you believe the word of God and he says that he's your defender? And then do you pray for those people and say, God bless them? God, pour your spirit out on them. God, meet them. This is the difference. You say, okay, Jake, what, what are you talking about? What's the point here? These are the difference between Christians who try to step into the deep things of the spirit, and then a year later, five years later, they're off in left field somewhere, as opposed to those who have been tried by the fire, the refining fire of the Lord, purified, and they're walking 5, 10, 20, 40, 50 years later, they're still walking in the things of the Spirit, being faithful to the Lord. I'm not after flashes in the pan. I want, and this is what we say all the time at the House of Prayer, if you want a flash in the pan moment, this is not for you. You come in here at 6 o'clock in the morning on Monday morning when nobody's here. It's you and Jesus. And you're going to do a two-hour set, and you're going to sing to the Lord. Then let's see, let's see how many um, worship leaders there are. When you're like, oh, you want to be a worship leader? You want you want to you want to sing songs to the Lord? Okay, come on. We'll, we'll give you we'll give you the you know six a.m. set on Monday morning when no one's there or one person is there. And believe me, nothing. I always use the word expose. Sometimes I feel bad. Sometimes I don't. There's nothing that exposes people like the environment of the house of prayer. And this is why I love it so much. I know, I'm kind of bad. Bad guy. Because if you don't have a history with the Lord, if you don't have your own personal relationship with the Lord, and you come into a setting like that, like this, like very much tonight, you come into a setting, and you're like, wait a minute. No, there's no one here telling me what to do. There's no one here telling me, stand up, sit down, go put your offering in. You know, that, 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 like, would, like, no, it's, it's up to you to engage with the Lord. 
And I'm telling you, that takes discipline. That takes practice. You have to be with the Lord. And, and the whole point that I'm trying to make is this. If we want to prophesy the heart of the Lord, if we want to lay hands and see the sick recover, if we want to cast out demons, if we want to raise the dead, if we want to do these things, which you're here, so I'm assuming that you do, if we want to do these things, here's, here's my question to you. What happens after it happens? You lay your hands on somebody and, and God heals them of cancer. And they're like, whoa, that just happened. And you're like, that was amazing, God. That was amazing, God. And now you're like, I want to pray for everything that moves. <laughs> right? And you're like, I'm laying hands and praying for everything that moves. And ultimately, that's how we should be. But why are you doing it? Why? You're supposed to. 100% you're supposed to. But why? Because if our why is not right, if we are not rooted in our identity as a son or a daughter, then I'm, I, I, I'm telling you from experience, I've seen it, I've literally, within the last month, I've had to sit down with people that I've seen God use in power and, and have a conversation where they have, they're just, I mean, off in left field. I won't tell you just the conversation, but totally bought the live culture. I'll just say it that way. You know, progressive Christianity, woke Christianity, whatever language you want to use. Just hook, line, and sinker have bought it. And, and these are people that God has used in power. So here's what I'm going to say. In Thessalonians, it says that, I'm not sure where, but Thessalonians somewhere says that if we do not have a love of the truth, a love for the truth, that God will send a strong delusion. Not the devil, God. Okay, so, so what's the difference? There are people that know the truth. Right? They're like, oh yeah, I believe in God. Oh yeah, I read the Bible. Oh yeah, I pray. Oh yeah, I go to church. Oh, yeah. They know truth, right? They know truth. Except they wield that truth when it's convenient for them. And when it's beneficial for them. And when it makes them uncomfortable, they're like, eh, don't really like that truth right now. Not interested. And then there are those who have a love of the truth. And you say, okay, what does that mean? That means when I read something in Scripture and I'm like, I don't like that, but I'm going to yield my life to it anyways. Because God's Word is far above my opinion and my preference and what I like and what I want. So I'm going to humble myself under God's Word. Those are, there's a difference between those. I could tell you and bring people up here. They could quote books and books and books of the Bible. Maybe not books, chapters. Chapters of the Bible. Chapters of the Bible. Could quote it could impress you with their knowledge and there ain't a lick of fruit on their life. They're angry, they're bitter, they're all... How is that? How can somebody eat the word of God? It's not eating really, it's memorizing. How can somebody put the word of God in their mind and know it and can recount it and tell you and memorize it and there's not one lick of fruit on their life? Why is that? Because they know truth, but they don't love truth. And truth is a man. His name is Jesus. It's a, a, a big difference here. 
Let me look at look at me look, look at my notes real quick so I don't get too far too far. Yeah, let me just read some scriptures so you're like, don't think I'm too much of a heretic. All right. So Mark 16. I'll just read it. You don't have to go there. Just just listen. And I just want to, I'll share another testimony. It says this, afterward, he appeared to the 11 himself as they were reclining at table, obviously talking about Jesus. He says, he rebuked them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart. His own disciples. Jesus is amazing. This is because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. We need to go ahead and meditate on that. It's not where I'm going, but his own disciples, and they didn't believe. And he said to them, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up, pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink in any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Thank you. And they went out and preached everywhere. And while the Lord worked with them and confirmed their message by accompanying signs. I'm just going to say this. If we are preaching the gospel, which we should be in our workplace, in our families, in our churches, wherever, if, if we are preaching the gospel and we're not making room for miracles, signs, and wonders, then we're giving an incomplete gospel, okay? I'm not saying every time, you know, you lay hands on the sick, they heal, they get healed. It's not our job to um, try to manip- manipulate the outcome, okay? It's our job to be faithful to the word of God. So if the word of God says, when I preach the gospel, there should be room, there should be an opportunity for miracles, signs, and wonders to follow, okay? So when we preach the gospel, just like they did, then the next step should be, let's go after miracles, signs, and wonders, okay? And, and the point of that being, it should confirm the power, the authority, the beauty of Jesus, the divinity of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, the truth of God's word. If, if we have anything in us that's like, watch this, I'm going to lay hands on this person and they're going to get healed or whatever. And then everybody's going to be like, that guy's the man. Okay. And I know, I know that we're like, um, no, I, we won't do that. We'll never do that. I'll just say this politely. I know people that started pure and wanted the right thing. And as soon as, as soon as that thing began to happen, they began to prophesy with accuracy. They, the Lord began to show them the things of people's hearts. And what happens? The enemy comes in and he sows that seed. He's subtle. He sows that seed of, you know, agenda, of self-promotion. And then ultimately, you know, it, it can lead to, you know, Matthew 7, the scariest, scariest scripture, maybe in the whole Bible, where they're like, Lord, we did all these things in your name. We prophesied, we healed the sick, we cast out demons. And Jesus is like, I don't even know you. I don't even know you. So first and foremost, we must know the Lord and we must walk with him. And if we do that, if we sincerely do that, the supernatural, the things of the spirit will happen. It's not a thing that we have to drum up. 
It's not a thing that we have to, you know, go chase. If we're being obedient to the Spirit of God, people will get saved. People will get healed. People will get delivered. And as the Lord takes us and takes, you know, this church deeper into the things of the Spirit, we must constantly be aligning ourselves with the heart of God. Aligning ourselves with the heart of God. And, stay, and, and being rooted in who we are as sons and daughters. So I believe that this is why, and I'm, I'm closing up, I am going to share our testimony, but this is why um, I believe when I was praying this morning about this, I, I, this is one of the reasons why I felt like the Lord said, I want you to declare a Father's blessing over those people who need it. And the reason being behind that is because what you come out of, you have authority over. Okay, so me, let's just make it very simple. I came out of fatherlessness. Okay, and I'm not bitter at my dad. I don't carry any ill will or bitterness or offense or any of that. So the Lord, in his faithfulness, he says, now watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to use you. One, you're going to be a good dad, literal dad. But you're also going to be able to pray and release a father's blessing over people that they would encounter the father heart of God. And so, just food for thought, you need to seriously look at your life and see where you have um, the opportunity to be offended, where there's been an injustice, where something has happened to you, and that's probably the very area of your life that the Lord is saying, I want to give you authority in that area. I want to anoint your life in that area. That you would lead others out of there to freedom. So, alright, so we're going to pray. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release a Father's blessing. I'm going to give a cool story, okay? This is an amazing story. This is how, how amazing God is and how much He loves, he loves you individually. So this is, uh, you know, years ago, this is, well, I can tell you exactly, it would have been um, 2017, July of 2017, so almost, almost four years ago. A friend of ours um, was doing an event in California, so we, we were in, um, Hannah and I were in California, so, uh, so a bunch of us went out there, and it was in San Francisco area, and so, you know, he's doing a big ministry event out there, but we had, um, when it ended, we had a couple other days, so we went to um, a church in Northern California. <laughs> and uh, so we go to this church and I had just finished with my pastor in my home church. We had just done a three weeks, a three week series on um, the orphan spirit and the father heart of God. So basically talking about in depth kind of what I just shared, you know, the father heart, father's heart for you being delivered from an orphan mentality, stepping into sonship, all this stuff. So, you know, and I'm praying, I'm actively praying, you know, throughout this, and my wife is praying for me as well. You know, Lord, would you give Jake a spiritual father? Give him a spiritual father. And I'm reading all of these books by a guy, his name is Leif Hetland. Some of you may be familiar, but he's, he's one of the, um, if you want to know anything about the father heart of God, about, you know, being set free from the orphan spirit, the orphan mentality, you know, if there's a disconnect between you and God the Father, because maybe your earthly father was like mine, was maybe was abusive or distant or absent. Leif Hetland has, 
has an anointing to reveal the heart of the Father to people, okay? And he has, you know, he has multiple books, etc. So I'm, I'm, I, you know, we're driving up there. And we get to this church, and people are waiting in line to get into this church, which is amazing. And I'm sitting in line, I'm waiting, and this guy walks by. And I'm like, like that looked just like Leif Hetland. I'm like, he wouldn't be here, though, you know? So I'm like, you know, I like looking at this guy. And he gets in, you know, he stands in the back of the line waiting to get in. And I'm like, surely he wouldn't, you know, I'm like, he's kind of a big deal. Like, he wouldn't just be waiting in line to get in, you know? It's probably like some secret entrance for him or something, you know? <laughs> so, um, so we go in, we sit, we're, we go through the service. And they get up, and they're like, um, you know, we have, we have some special guests here today. And Leif Hetland is here. And I was like, oh, my God, is this serious? <laughs> you know, literally had just read all, literally all this guy's books, had just taught, you know, this series, predominantly from a lot of his materials. And now I fly across the country and, and he's in the service with me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it gets better. <laughs> so we meet, a, we meet a girl from South Africa who's sitting next to her and, and my wife and I, and we end up taking her out to lunch and, you know, we're like kind of touring the area. We go to the bookstore and all this stuff. And, um, you know, it's like three or four hours later. So we get, we're like, all right, let's head back. So we get back in, on the expressway and we're going you know, it's about a three-hour drive, maybe a little bit longer, to, to San Francisco where we're staying. So we get on the expressway, and the, the girl that's driving, I'm like, so funny. She's like, I'm not going to get gas in Redding. Sorry. She's like, I, I'll, go, I'll, go a little bit, I'll go a little bit further south. I'm going to get on the expressway, and I'll, I'll get gas somewhere else. We're like, all right, whatever. So we drive about 25 minutes, get off the expressway. She's like, get gas. We go to the first gas station. I kid you not. There's a semi blocked sideways across the entrance to the gas station you can't get in so we're like this you know this idiot what's he doing so we turn around go to this gas station across the street pull up i get out get the gas pumping leif hetland comes parks right in i'm like i'm like i'm like you gotta be kidding me i'm like you know i'm like frantic like okay like i know the lord's doing something if you've ever been in that moment you're like what do i do so I just I just I just like stopped home and I and I went over and I said, "Are you Life Helen?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, you know, and I I kid I kid you not, you know, if you guys are not, you know, this might weird some of you out. He's you know maybe 15 feet away from me, and I'm walking towards him, and I kid you not, I'm in a middle parking lot, and I'm going like this. Like I I can't even the spirit of God hits me so hard. That I, can, I can't even walk to him. I'm like going down in this parking lot. And I, I finally make it to him. And I'm like, you know, he's probably like, this dude is so weird. But I make it to him. And I'm like, I just want to say thank you. You know, I honor you for, you know, just your heart and for your teachings. I said it impacted me. You know, and he, and he gave me a hug and everything, you know. And it was all this moment. And I was like, whoa, like, that's amazing. And, and just to put a bow on it, just because God's extra sometimes. You know, we're driving, you know, we're three hours down the expressway. We're, you know, almost to like whatever the Bay Area. And here he comes on the expressway. <laughs> passes us on the expressway like three hours later. So I saw, you know, so I saw him literally like three or four times in this like 12 hour span, you know. And I was like, it was just the Lord being like, I see you. I hear you. And I tell that story for this because that's how much our father loves you. It's how much he loves us. He went out of his way to arrange that and to orchestrate that because he saw me, I'm going to cry, he saw me 
You know, this kid from a small town in Michigan who grew up without a dad and was praying, God, would you send me a spiritual father? And he saw that. So, so here's, here's what I'm going to do. We're going we're gonna to close down. We're going to go into ministry. Sorry, I went long. But we're going to, um, I just want to pray. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do it corporately. We can pray. Into, I'm, I'm going to do it corporately, and then we can do individual ministry time for anybody that wants it. But so I'm just going to, um, here's what I'll do. If you feel like you want me to pray a father's blessing over you, because I, I feel like the Lord said to do that. So I, I'll say this. Anybody, obviously anybody can stand up. But what I, what I, I specifically felt like the Lord said, any, those who their earthly father had, for what, had abandoned them, had left them, was abusive, you know, maybe was in the home, but what, was checked out or whatever, just really had issues with your earthly father. I, I, I'm going to ask you to stand up and I'm going to pray a father's blessing over you. Okay. So that's what we're going to do right now. And there's no shame. There's no shame. All of our dads are messed up. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm just going to pray a Father's blessing over you guys. Father, I thank you. Abba, I thank you that you love your children. That you are near to your children. So, Father, I just pray right now a Father's blessing over those who are standing right now. And, Lord, I ask that you would wipe away every wound on their heart. Lord, we forgive our earthly fathers. And we ask you, Heavenly Father, that you would come in like a flood upon our hearts. That you would heal the wounds upon our hearts. And that we would know who we are as sons and daughters. That we have access to you and that you love us. You enjoy us. You want to hear from us. You want to spend time with us. So I just do that now as one who you have delivered from fatherlessness. And an orphan heart, an orphan spirit. I just declare sons and daughters rooted in the love of the Father right now, in Jesus' name. I just bless them now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at office at washingtonchurch.org or go to our website, washingtonchurch.org.